Chapter Fourteen of *The Girls of Friendly Terrace* by Harriet Loomis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen: A Disagreement. It was a doleful Peggy who, coming home late one drizzly January afternoon, found the gas lighted in the living room and Ruth waiting for her. Peggy acknowledged her friend's presence by a rueful smile immediately extinguished by an unseasonable shower as sudden as an april rain there there don't cry peggy i know exactly how you feel ruth administered consolation in the shape of sundry comforting pats while peggy burrowed in the sofa cushions and sniffed without restraint it's dreadful to have them both go at once she explained in a stifled voice of course it is i suppose i ought to be glad that alice is well enough to have dorothy home again she must have missed her every minute i know i shall a sob nobody could help it such a darling child of course she can't travel by herself and mother was hankering to see alice and besides she needed a rest i'm a perfect goose so there peggy sat up wiping her eyes with a severity that might have been intended to warn them against repeating their late indiscretion ruth hastened to defend her friend against herself you're nothing of the kind anybody'd cry and coming home after people have gone away is always dreadful that's why you're here isn't it peggy gave ruth's hand a grateful squeeze i could hardly get up my courage to come in till i remembered something i wanted to tell sally about the supper you see i am housekeeper now i'm afraid it will be pretty hard for you oh no indeed peggy spoke with her usual blitheness sally's splendid if she's looked after of course she hasn't any headpiece but she's as willing as the day is long the sudden entrance of the object of this eulogy cut it short sally was dressed for the street even to a faded cotton umbrella tucked under her arm at such an angle that the point would endanger the eyesight of all pedestrians i'm leaving she announced cheerfully as peggy's amazement temporarily bereft her of the powers of speech ruth was driven to expostulate you don't mean you're going away to stay you wouldn't do that i'm sure my step-aunt's husband had a stroke explained sally with unimpaired cheerfulness it's his second and tain't likely he'll last long i wouldn't miss his funeral for anything peggy by this time was capable of remonstrance but sally wait till the time is set for the funeral he may live some time yet just think how hard it will be for me if you leave me while mother's away ordinarily sally would have been touched by this plea she was a reliable creature on the whole and devoted to the raymonds one and all but the temptation afforded by the serious illness of her step-aunt's husband was of no common sort my goodness peggy she exclaimed indignantly the funeral ain't the whole show i wouldn't miss his last hours for anything you could name my step-aunt's sister from west virginia will come on like enough to say nothing of her kin up in leicester county i ain't the sort of girl to slight my duties every time the circus comes to town declared sally impressively but a real death in the family don't happen every day and twould be flying in the face of providence not to take notice if peggy had looked forward to a pensive evening with leisure for occasional tears this unexpected development necessitated an immediate change of program she had neglected her lessons for the next day in helping her mother to get away and the sudden accession of sally's duties in addition to her own meant that every minute must be accounted for 
when her father went to bed that night he stood in the doorway for a full minute his glance travelling from the clock to the desperate figure of his daughter peggy's elbows were planted on the table while her hands clutched her hair and her lips moved noiselessly on the whole her attitude suggested lady macbeth rather than a high school girl poring over one of the gems of english literature daughter peggy did not hear daughter it is eleven o'clock peggy jumped oh yes father i'll go to bed as soon as i have finished reading this canto she bent again over the page but her father was not satisfied if sally is likely to be gone any time i think your mother had better come back it won't do you know to have you over working peggy whirled about quite forgetting the fairy queen oh father don't do that i'll get along splendidly it would be such a shame to spoil mother's visit with alice and sally may be back any day i wouldn't have them know for anything mr raymond went upstairs only half convinced as peggy guessed from his expression she made up her mind that in the future when it was necessary for her to study late she would do it in her own room where it would disturb nobody she further decided on rising at five o'clock to get as much as possible of the day's work out of the way before school peggy's plan might have been feasible had she ever learned the gentle art of sliding perhaps there was an atom of foolish pride at the bottom of her determination to keep the house in as scrupulous order as if her mother and sally had both been present to assist she was out of bed long before daylight every morning sweeping and dusting rubbing and polishing till by breakfast time she was faint and tired and found it necessary to scrub her cheeks violently with a rough crash towel before she dared trust herself under her father's eyes with her mother the stratagem would probably have failed but mr raymond seeing the blooming cheeks and the vivacious smile of the young person behind the coffee-pot said to himself that it looked as if peggy were getting on all right and that it would be a pity to spoil his wife's visit unless it were absolutely necessary dick enjoyed the new regime dick heartily approved of his sister's cooking even going so far as to brag of it in the neighbourhood one of the boys who received the brotherly boasts with a supercilious air was immediately challenged see here you don't believe it do you i tell you what you and tom come round to-night for supper that's all just come round and see for yourselves the challenge was accepted and dick went home with the high spirits of one who has defended the family honour as he passed the kitchen window he experienced a distinct shock peggy was visible but not the blooming peggy of the morning she was pale and heavy-eyed and a damp towel tied round her forehead gave the clue early rising late study and almost continuous work between had resulted in a sick headache which peggy limp and languid was doing her best to fight off dick stood in the hall a prey to remorse peggy was sick and he had invited company to supper he realized with fatal clearness which so often accompanies an afterthought that even if peggy had not been suffering the invitation was distinctly inconsiderate with her schoolwork and the cares of the house on her shoulders she was doing too much at the best of times ordinarily dick did not lack courage but with his conscience against him the prospect of making a full acknowledgment to peggy was an ordeal from which he shrank after ten minutes of aimless waiting dick pushed open the door and advanced into the kitchen on tiptoe a relic of earlier days when he had somehow formed the impression that not making a noise was equivalent to being good peggy turned her pale face in his direction is that you dick i wish she broke off starting with surprise at her brother's crestfallen figure why dick is anything the matter yes the one miserable word came out 
with uncompromising bluntness. Peggy was still staring. But nothing much, is it, Dick? Yes. Dick had taken a surreptitious glance at his sister, and his burden of self-reproach had at once grown heavier. It's awful. Peggy's thoughts flew to her mother. Or perhaps Dorothy had met with an accident. She was such a flyaway. Or could it be that Alice— She dropped into a chair. Tell me, Dick, she begged, her lips very white. I— I hate to, so I can't— Shame made Dick's voice tragic. Peggy's fingers gripped the sides of her chair. Whatever had happened, she must control herself. Like one in a dream, she heard Dick floundering on. Maybe something will happen yet, so so it won't be so bad. Dick was thinking hopefully that perhaps one of his invited guests would find himself unable to accept. Go on, gasped Peggy, but her appearance, instead of encouraging Dick to confession, made it seem impossible. I, I guess I'll wait, he choked. Maybe you'll feel better before supper. Peggy's strength returned with miraculous suddenness. She pounced upon her brother as he was about to escape. "'Tell me now, Dick. I—I I can't bear it.' "'I,' Dick swallowed, "'I asked Skits to supper.' Peggy waited stupidly. "'And Tom, too. I wanted to show him what a good cook you were.' Another pause. "'Go on,' prompted a stifled voice. "'What about Mother?' It was Dick's turn to be startled. "'Mother? Why, has anything happened to Mother?' Peggy's wits were in working order again. "'Dick Raymond, you don't mean that you've almost scared me to death because you invited two boys to supper?' And then, reading in his face that she had hit the mark, Peggy's overtaxed nerves played her false, and she sat down promptly on the floor, where she laughed and cried together. Poor Dick, at his wit's end, tried vainly to allay the storm. "'See here, Peggy. You don't need to have em if you don't want em. That was when her sobs were most violent. Then, with sudden indignation— I'd like to know what you're laughing at anyway, Peg Raymond. I don't see anything funny. The laughter had the better of the tears at last, and Peggy wiped her eyes, took a long breath, and climbed unsteadily to her feet. Dick! What? The next time you have any bad news to tell, don't try to break it gently. Just blurt it out, no matter what happens. I think that's safer on the whole. Peggy moved languidly to the sink where she removed the encircling towel and proceeded to bathe her eyes. "'Dick, what do you want?' the conscience-stricken Dick was on his feet instantly, ready to fly in any direction at a word. "'You needn't tell the boys not to come. If one of the girls will come over and help me, I guess we can fix up some sort of supper. You run and ask Elaine.' But when Dick appeared fifteen minutes later, he was accompanied by Priscilla instead of Peggy's next-door neighbor. "'Elaine couldn't come,' explained Dick. "'She's sick, too.' Her mother said she couldn't lift her head from the pillow. It was Priscilla's first intimation that she had been second choice, and, to a girl of her temperament, the news was disquieting. "'I'm sorry you couldn't have the one you wanted, Peggy,' she said with dangerous sweetness, "'but I'll do my best to take her place.' Then, catching sight of poor Peggy's swollen eyes and drooping figure, she had the grace to be ashamed of herself. It was a very good supper, though Peggy, sitting pale and heavy-eyed at the end of the table, ate little of it strawberry preserves, and some of Sally's fruit cookies, had helped so nicely that it had not been necessary to do much cooking. And in Dick's present state of penitence he would have eaten pine shavings and sworn that they were delicious. 
as he watched skits gorging himself with preserves dick suddenly realized that the supper invitation was not at all in accordance with skits desserts i ought to have punched his head when he acted as if he didn't believe about peggy's cooking thought dick scowling darkly at his unconscious guest just as though everybody along the terrace didn't know that she's got em all skinned unconscious of the regrets disturbing their host's peace of mind skits and tom made out an excellent meal and withdrew to the next room to examine some new stamps dick had recently added to his collection priscilla who had quite recovered from her little peak pushed peggy into the rocking-chair when she attempted to assist with the work you sit still she scolded don't you dare move i'll be through the dishes in no time the offer was too tempting to refuse peggy sat in the kitchen rocking-chair where sally rested when her daily labors were over and watched priscilla as she proceeded deftly with the work it seems a shame she said but without conviction to leave everything to you nonsense as if you were always doing things for other people priscilla crossed the room to lower the shade and stood transfixed i thought dick said elaine was sick she hasn't been out of bed to-day you know she's rather subject to sick attacks explained peggy but they don't last more than a day or two priscilla's laugh was rather disagreeable it hasn't lasted as long as that she replied she's up and dressed just past the window rather a remarkable recovery isn't it peggy did not speak elaine isn't particularly fond of housework i imagine continued priscilla lowering the shade and turning back to the waiting dishes but i'd rather say right out i didn't want to help than make a pretense of being sick and especially after all you've done for her peggy peggy was in a mood to be an easy prey to suspicion tired half sick with overstrained nerves and throbbing temples it was not strange that for a moment she half believed that elaine's plea of illness was only an excuse for evading work she did not like in spite of peggy's lessons elaine still found housekeeping duties very irksome in a moment however peggy's sense of fairness revolted against the assumption which for the moment she had accepted as proved perhaps she felt better all at once people often do after being sick all day she trotted by the window as if she'd never felt better in all her life remarked priscilla tartly maybe her mother exaggerated a little persisted peggy or perhaps dick didn't quite understand oh of course if you are bound to find excuses for her peggy you can do it you can excuse anything in anybody if you simply won't believe what you see with your own eyes the dishes in the pan clicked ominously as priscilla splashed with energy peggy was saved the necessity of replying by the sudden opening of the back door a tall ungainly figure appeared on the threshold and the girls united in a rapturous shriek sally sally came in and removed her coat and with a pang of conscience peggy recalled the melancholy reason for her absence as well as for her return with a determined effort to keep her own relief out of her voice she suggested sympathetically your uncle i suppose my step-uncle miss peggy he's better already and quarrelling with his victuals doctor thinks he'll be out o bed by the first of the week it might have been such a good funeral too added sally with evident disapproval of the ill-timed recovery all the lester county folks was down and my aunt's sister from west virginia stands to reason she can't pick up and run again very soon like enough when he's laid away at last there won't be a baker's dozen outside the neighbors i'll finish them dishes miss priscilla this is a disappointing world sure enough 
Peggy went to bed at eight o'clock and knew nothing more until fifteen minutes of breakfast time. Her head was clear, and the knowledge that Sally was in the kitchen made her light of heart, though her pallor told that she was still in arrears, as far as sleep was concerned. As she dressed with speed, the discovery Priscilla had announced the evening before came back to her, but she was no longer disposed to attach much importance to it. Some little mistake, of course, or else Elaine did feel better all at once. I'm sure she wouldn't have tried to fib out of helping me when I wanted her. Peggy was herself again, and nothing could have persuaded her to accept Sally's dictum that it was a disappointing world. End of chapter 14